never ceases to amaze me um, how often the Lord just kind of knows the timing of everything and you end up in a spot in the scripture that just fits where we are. Um, and this morning we're in Colossians chapter 2. We've been working our way through the book of Colossians and we're going to kind of be camping out in verses 6 and 7 this morning. If, if you've got a Bible and you want to follow along, you can do that. We'll also put the scriptures on the screen. But, you know, we've been doing this series in Colossians and we kind of wrapped up chapter 1 last week and, and we talked about how at the end of the day, what Paul is doing in this letter is he's making two simple points. And he's not just writing to the Colossians. He's writing to us today. And the first point that he's making is that Christ is the king. Jesus is the one. He is preeminent. He's creator. He's savior. He's all in all. And then the second point he's making is really a question. And the question is, will you make him your king? Will you make him your king? And so that's the whole crux of the book of Colossians. And so in chapter 1, Paul's kind of highlighting the power of Jesus as our king. If we'll choose him, it's going to have powerful, massive results in our lives. And now as we move into chapter 2, we're going to start to see how that becomes very personal. And then in weeks to come, we're going to look at how it's also just very practical and tangible with day-to-day life. And so this morning, we're looking specifically at the fact that we're called to be rooted and grounded in Christ. And so Paul's emphasizing this idea of being rooted and growing. And as, as I was coming up on this this week, it was really interesting. There were a couple things that kind of took place. Um, the first thing that happened is last Sunday after service, I found myself talking to Jerger. You guys know Chris Jerger. Some of you guys know Chris. And he had this picture during the service of the parable of the sower. And I hadn't even really been thinking ahead to this week yet. And he was like, I'm thinking about the parable of the sower and just hoping people heard the word this Sunday. And why don't we just pray together this week that like the, the seed was sowed and, and landed on good soil and that people have. And I was like, man, that's awesome. That's great. And then I get home this week and there's this storm that blew through and there was this massive amount of wind that was there. And we're in a fairly new home for us. And we had a couple of new trees planted when we moved in. And so I'm standing there, and I'm looking out the window, and I mean, it's dark outside, but it's like the middle of the day, but it looks like it's 10 o'clock at night. And the wind is blowing like crazy, and this little tree is like, I mean, it's just doing one of those, you know, where it's like waving, and the whole thing is just bent over, and it's, it's going, and I'm like, oh man, my tree's going to snap, it's going to break. And I'm watching this thing just getting, getting beat by the wind. And then when I sat down to begin to look at where we're heading this morning, it was unbelievable to watch that like we're at this place in the scripture where Jesus talks about being rooted and built up in him. And what takes place when those roots go deep in him, we're able to withstand those storms that come and that blow. And so here we are in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, and Paul writes and he says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And so there's, there's a few things I see there. First of all, you know, we, when we first come to Jesus, we're taught something. We're taught some truth that we grab hold of and we take hold of that we're meant to live life in him. And we're not just to stop at that moment of receiving We're supposed to let that take such root in our hearts that like more and more every day, we're just putting our roots down into the simplicity of I need Jesus. He's my life. He's my strength. He's the only one providing the nutrients that I need. 
You know, if I'm putting those roots down into just rocks or clay or dirt, something that's not, it doesn't have any nutrients at all, I'm in trouble. But Jesus invites us to put our roots deep within him. And there we find everything that we need to grow, to be strengthened, to endure. I was talking with a friend of mine about this tree in my backyard and I was concerned. He told me, he goes, actually, I was worried maybe I need to brace it up with some stuff. And he said, actually, the wind is really good for the tree. The wind pushing against the tree is actually helping it to get stronger. And he goes, there is, there is a level you could reach where if it was like hurricane force, it might stab it. But this young tree, it's, it's flexible, but it's strong. And so it's not broken when it goes over. And the Lord reminded me of a verse in the Old Testament that talks about Jesus and his care in our lives. And it says that a bruised reed, he will not break. He doesn't allow that storm to be so hard and so strong that we snap. When our roots are in him, he guides, he shepherds, he protects, he strengthens. He even gives us the flexibility to bend. And just when we think we're going to break, we find that in him we have the strength that we need to hold on. That's what he does. That's how he strengthens us. And so this idea of growing in him, it's taking what we've learned and it's walking it out today. What does this look like in my life, in my circumstances, in my situation right now? How do I abide in Christ today? If Christ in me is the hope of glory like we talked about last week, great, I need that like right now. I don't need some vague idea that I guess Jesus is in there doing something like, Jesus, I'm alive right here, right now today, and this is my reality, and this is what I'm facing. And so, Jesus, are you here? Are you with me? Are you in me? I've got to figure out how to sink roots deep today in him and watch what he'll do in my circumstances. And so the reality is there are two very simple pictures that determine how we do this. And so we're going to look a little bit at the parable of the sower, but not so much to see the different types of ground, but to see the unique groups of people that Jesus was talking to when he told that story. And so we're going to pause right here and move over to Luke chapter 8. And so in Luke chapter 8, Jesus finds himself surrounded by all these crowds as he was so often. There's a variety of people that would follow him around. You know, the Pharisees were, were pretty much always somewhere nearby, you know, hanging on the edges. I always kind of picture them, you know, a little bit like this, arms crossed, checking it out, looking for an opening to cut him down. They're there. They're in the crowd. There's people in the crowd who are hungry and maybe they've been following him from town to town and they're like in the category of disciples or close to it. You know, they're, they're near him. They're around him. They're getting to know him more and more. They're learning the things that he's saying. There's the random stranger that like so-and-so down the street said, hey, this guy Jesus just showed up. You got to hear him and kind of got drug along. Have you ever been one of those people that just kind of got drug along by somebody else to something you didn't even really want to go to? Yeah. Maybe you're like thinking, that's where I'm at this morning, actually. Um, that happens, right? Like we kind of get drug along so we don't want to be. There's people there that, that don't even know what they're walking into, and they may not even want to hear what this guy has to say. And so this huge crowd is gathered around, and Jesus has this incredible opportunity. And you know, I'm thinking, okay, you know, Jesus, you're, you're here to spread the gospel and to tell people good news, and you've got this massive crowd, like this is the perfect opportunity to just lay out who you are. And so Jesus walks out and this is what he says huge crowd of people he says hey there was a farmer and he had some seed and he threw it on the ground some of it the birds stole 
Some of it the rocks choked out, some of it the thorns killed, and some of it grew, and there was a lot of fruit. If you get it, you get it. The end. That's all he said. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but like, literally, if you go read those few verses, it's verses four through eight. You read those verses, I bet you could read it in like 30 seconds. Hey, there's birds that came and took it. Hey, there's rocks that were there, and so it dried out. Hey, there were thorns that choked it away. He didn't explain the story. He just told it. And then he said, let him who has ears, let him hear. And he left it right there. See, the truth is Jesus regularly, even in our lives, in ways that might surprise us, that we don't even recognize, he's sharing these little nuggets of truth. He is speaking all the time to us and he's dropping these little seeds. And I just wonder how often we just hear this quick little drive-by seed and we just miss it. We just miss it. It's gone. But Jesus is dropping these truths constantly, all the time. And so here's all these people and they're standing there and, you know, the story goes along and after Jesus says all of this, um, verse 8, or sorry, chapter 8, verses 9 and 10. Then his disciples, another, another um, book talks about how they came to him later. So this wasn't right in the moment. You know, these scriptures are stacked on top of each other. And sometimes we think it happens like right here, right here, right here. These disciples came to him later. And in verse 9, we see this. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. And then he goes on to unpack it. There's two groups of people. There's the great crowd that gathered in verse 4. They gathered from town to town and they came to him. And then there's disciples who came back and said, Jesus, what are you saying there? Jesus, what in the world was that about? What's happening with this thing? What's going on in this situation? See, there's one unique difference here. Some just hear. Maybe it kind of goes in, maybe it kind of goes out. But some sit with a truth, sit with a question, and they bring it back to Jesus and say, Lord, what are you saying in this situation? What are you saying in this circumstance? What is the truth in this moment? And he is eager and willing to teach and to guide when we come to him honestly looking for truth, honestly looking for answers. That's his heart. And so he drops these breadcrumbs. He drops these seeds. Will we come to him? And so then he unpacks it for them. Listen, there's different, there's different people. There's different situations. There's the path. And the seed that fell on that path, it got snatched away. I don't know if it was because of busyness. It's the path kind of, I kind of think of a road now in our circumstance, right? It'd be like the side of the road and it's just, I'm driving right on by. I'm too busy to hear it and receive it. It gets snatched away. He talks about the birds actually even kind of represent the enemy just coming and stealing it because it didn't get planted. It just sat on the surface. He said the next group of people, the rock, you know, it actually, it actually kind of settled in a little bit and the roots started to go down. But the problem is, that, that seed wasn't really hidden down deep. It was just on the surface, and so it grew a bit. You know, water could get to it because of the rock that was there. But as soon as the sun came out, it scorched those roots and it died. And so he said that's similar to when times of testing come our way. We've got some element of root, 
We've got some grasp of the truth. But when it really gets tough, when testing really comes, it, it shrivels up, it dies. Then he says there's those who get planted in the thorny ground. It's actually growing in their lives. I don't know if you can relate to this, but I've, I've been in lots of seasons in my life where it's like, hey, I think, I think there's some things really growing in my heart as it relates to the Lord. But I'm also aware there's these other areas that I'm kind of giving just as much room to grow as well. And what happens is the cares and the pleasures and the worry of life, they come in and they begin to choke out the truth of what Jesus is trying to say to us. And those, those weeds, those thorns that are right there mixed with the good stuff, eventually it just kind of gets interwoven in it and it sucks the life out of it. It chokes it out. And Jesus said that's like people who are just caught up in the cares of this life and the pleasures of this life and it doesn't take root. There's no maturity. And then finally, look at this. I'm so grateful for this. Verse 15. As for that in the good soil, they are those who hearing the word of God, they hold it fast. They hold it fast. In my house, we've got a bunch of kids running around and our fifth daughter has learned that in a house with six kids, if you want to be able to keep something, you better hide it. If you don't hide it, it's gone. I mean, this is food, this is toys, this is whatever. And what's funny is when you watch her like at her birthday or at Christmas, it's like half of opening the presents is getting it open and the other half is figuring out where do I stash this so it's not gone. And so we just know Mabry has these little hiding spots so she can hold on to her stuff. And for the longest time, you just, you knew the spot was under her pillow. I mean, it's like, it's so funny to me that she was already smart enough to figure out if my head is on the pillow, I'm going to know if somebody's reaching under there to steal my stuff and it'll wake me up. Like at two, she had that figured out. It's unbelievable. I almost feel bad. Like I'm raising this child that's paranoid. She's going to lose all her stuff. But, <laughs> but she just has these little places. And so she would hide everything under her pillow. And it got to be a joke in the house where it's like, if we couldn't find something, it's like, go check under Mabry's pillow. That's probably where it is. And so she's just this little hoarder. But, but I love this because I think it's actually a picture of what we're called to do. These things the Lord gives us that we treasure them so much, I'm not going to let anybody else grab that and steal it away. And I'm going to prioritize it so much in my life that I give it a special place, a place where it can't be touched, it can't be snatched. And so I open up my heart to him and say, God, would you make my heart a place where it can go deep, where I can hold it deep within. I don't want to just keep it surface level. I don't want to just blow in one ear and out the other. God, I want it to go deep. I want to hold it close. I want to treasure what you have to say to me. See, we don't have to produce the results. I don't have to determine I'm going to be an oak. That's failed a lot of us men in life. A lot of us men, we think being a man of God means walking around and being a strong oak. You can't make yourself a strong oak but you can hold closely to the treasure that is Jesus and in him will be the man we're called to be. In him will be strong. In those moments where we're trying to put on that front like I'm a big oak and really, really we're the little sapling that's waving in the wind, in him I'm rooted and grounded. I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna be okay. I'm gonna have the strength that I need because I'm receiving what he has for me and I'm holding it fast. I'm holding him fast. See, I don't know you, about you, but I've had seasons in my life where I don't even know what he's saying. Maybe he's saying something. I'm not hearing it. 
or if I'm hearing it, I'm not understanding it. But the beauty is I don't just hold on to his words. He is the word. When he says this seed is the word of God, he's saying that seed is me. I'm that seed. I'm planted in your life. You can abide in me. In fact, apart from me, you can do nothing. But in me, you've got what it takes. And so hold fast to me. And I will strengthen you. And I will grow you. And maybe you don't even see it. But somewhere below the surface, you've got roots growing deeper than you ever thought. Outwardly, you might still feel like you're this flapping sapling. But down deep where it counts, you've got those roots grounded in him. And you'll be strong and you'll withstand, and you'll grow. And you might even be surprised to see some fruit start showing up on your limbs because he's doing that work in you. See, look what he says happens. Verse 15 again, right? It's in the good soil. There are those who hear the word and hold it fast with an honest and good heart. It means I'm just real with God. I'm honest. I'm real. I love that he uses the word honest there because he's not talking about... um, just always having a good front. It's being real about where I'm at. I can come honestly and openly and real as I am. God, this sucks right now. And I'm, I'm kind of pissed at you. Or God, I'm great. Life's good today. Come as we are, honest, real with him, holding fast to him. With a good heart, it just means my heart's open to him. He has access to it. And then I bear fruit with patience. He's in this with us for the long haul. He's in this with us for the long haul. And so we hold fast and he operates. Now this is easier said than done. Back to Colossians chapter 2. You know, I wish Paul just ended right there, right? It just sounds good. You know, that verse, rooted, grounded in him, growing, walking with him. Man, it just sounds great and encouraging. And the very next verse, Paul's like, I got to be real with you though. It's going to be difficult. Verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition and according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. We are bombarded. Sometimes, not just daily, like hour by hour, minute by minute, with voices that are saying things that aren't just slightly off. They are in contrast to what Jesus is trying to say to us. And part of the problem is they can sound pretty good. You don't warn somebody about deceit if it isn't possible for them to be deceived, right? Deception isn't forceful. It lures. It invites. It sounds good. It sounds appetizing. It sounds appealing. And part of what the enemy does is he gets something really, really close to the truth And then he weaves this extra little thing in there or he removes this little piece out or just branches a little this way. And so we can be fooled into adding on to the simplicity of resting in Jesus Christ, of who he is, of the finished work of the cross and his resurrection. That's what we're called to hold to. And we've got to be careful because those voices are crying out. Now, I just have to tell you, we're not going to get into those philosophies and human tradition. And then Paul goes on to talk about sin. That's where we're heading next week. We're going to talk about the things that we need to watch out for as we're rooted in him. But it's there and it's real and we're around it all the time. And we got to watch for that stuff. 
See, there are lots of distractions and warring thoughts, and they might sound right, but if we hold firm to Christ, we'll be able to recognize the difference between the counterfeit and the truth. And so in verse 9, he basically reminds us in verses 9 and 10 of, of what we talked about last week. He says, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. That means he is God and man. He's the one. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. He's reminding us of what he just said at the end of chapter one. Christ is in you. He's the hope of glory. Don't be overwhelmed by the world. Don't be overwhelmed by what you see and by what you hear and by what you're going through. Don't get caught up in the empty philosophy. Don't get caught up in the deceit. Don't get caught up in the human tradition. Don't get wrapped up in, in the, the allure of sin. Don't let that grab hold of you. Recognize who Jesus is. He's the king. He's the one. He's our all in all. And he's in you. Abide in him as he abides in you. And so he affirms that. And then down in verses 14 and 15, we're going to start wrapping up with this. He reminds us of the simple truth that is the cross and the gospel of who Jesus is and what he does. And so in verse 14, he says, he cancels the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Listen, on this side of history, that verse is like, yeah, that's awesome. I know Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I know we have victory. Sometimes I need to get back in touch with the reality of the disciples of Jesus looking at him on the cross and going, this is the guy that I heard truth and life from. And I thought he was it. I thought he was the one. I thought he had all the answers. And now he's up on that tree. What in the world is going on? Because that actually gets real in our lives. If I can't get back to the foot of the cross and understand what was happening in that moment, then when my world is falling apart, when my life comes crashing down, I'm going to be lost with those same questions. We can relate to those disciples in that moment. Listen, when we hear Jesus say it is finished, we're like, yeah. That's not what they were thinking. They were thinking it's over. All is lost. He's saying it's finished because it didn't work. Oh God, what happened? They're hearing it's finished and they think we've lost. But the reality of Jesus, our Lord, is just when it looks like we're losing, we find that we've won. Because in our weakness, he's strong. And in his moment of weakness, as he says, it is finished, he knew what he was talking about. We didn't. We thought it was hopeless. We thought it was over. We thought all was lost. The disciples are devastated. And Jesus is saying, I'm nailing the final nail. They don't have the final word. I do. And so Paul can write about that a few years later and say on that cross, he is disarming rulers. He is disarming authorities. In fact, while the cross is shameful, Jesus is actually putting them to shame. And he's triumphing over them. And you know how I know that that's the truth? Because three days later, there was an empty tomb. 
because the God who went to the cross for me also rose again for me. And because he rose again for me, I know that I have a living and eternal hope in Jesus Christ, my Lord. And so when I'm facing the reality of my life and I feel like I'm at that moment where it's finished, I can rest in the fact that my Savior already took care of it. It is finished in him. And I have an eternal, lasting, living hope in him. And because I have that hope in the future, then right now today, I can hold fast to my God who's alive and who's with me and who is near. And I can hold fast to him and my roots can grow more and more deep in him and the hope that's only in him. And I can find strength that on my own, I don't have. But in him, I've got what I need. He sustains us. He strengthens us. He grows us. Friends, while today is called today, hold fast to him. Put your roots deep. Tomorrow, walk in him. It's a brand new day tomorrow. Wake up. Hold fast. Tuesday, wake up. Hold fast. And let's find ourselves rooted and grounded in Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we need you. We love you. And God, we choose right now. We have this moment. And in this moment, Jesus, we choose to hold on to you. God, I pray for every one of my friends in here. I, I don't know where they feel like their heart's at, what kind of soil might be there. God, we don't need to overly analyze ourselves. We just need to hold fast to you and let you take care of the rest. And so Jesus, that's what we're doing. We're coming as we are this morning. We come honestly. We come with an open heart. And God, I pray that we would have the attitude of the disciples, that we don't just hear something and let it blow by, but God, that we hold fast and cling to you that we hold fast to what you're saying to us, that we put our roots deep in you. And Jesus, I thank you that you have said it is finished. You are a living God. That we're not holding on to old dead words. We're holding on to a living Savior, the Word, who's with us right here, right now, today. God, I pray fresh strength for my friends. God, I pray that we would have the ability while today is called today to walk in you and to hold fast to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.